lights my path, how it guides my way. Starting at verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Tell the sons of Israel to raise a contribution for me. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall raise my contribution. This is the contribution which you are to raise from them, gold, silver, and bronze. Hopefully you tables will recognize what you've been making. Blue, purple, and scarlet material, fine linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red, porpoise skins, acacia wood, oil for lighting, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense onyx stones and setting stones for the ephod and for the breastpiece. Let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them, according to all that I'm going to show you as the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furniture, just so you shall construct it. They shall construct an ark of acacia wood, two and a half cubits long and one and a half cubits wide and one and a half cubits high. You shall overlay it with pure gold. Inside and out you shall overlay it, and you shall make a gold molding around it. You shall cast four gold rings for it, and fasten them on its four feet. And two rings shall be on one side of it, and two rings on the other side of it. You shall make poles of acacia wood, and overlay them with gold. You shall put the poles into the rings on the side of the ark to carry the ark with them. The poles shall remain in the rings of the ark. You shall not, they shall not be removed from it. You shall put into the ark the testimony which I shall give you. You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold, two and a half cubits long and one and a half cubits wide. You shall make two cherubim of gold, make them of hammered work at the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub at one end, and one cherub at the other end. You shall make the cherubim of one piece with the mercy seat at its two ends. The cherubim shall have their wings spread upwards, covering the mercy seat with their wings, and facing one another. The faces of the cherubim are to be turned toward the mercy seat. You shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony which I shall give you. There I will meet with you, and from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim which are upon the ark of the testimony, I will speak to you about all that I will give you in commandment for the sons of Israel. And if you want to be reminded, if that sounded like a lot, it really is very simply what we have displayed at the front here all together. So Paolo, can you come up so I can pray for you? Right. And children, Paula's got things for you to do. So get ready, all right? Thank you, Lord, for Paula. Thank you for all that she has prepared. And Lord, I pray anoint her words. Lord, I pray that we will all be able to listen and hear what you are saying through what she says. And Lord, bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Good afternoon, everyone. Now, I'm very excited. I've got lots of things in my bag and under here.
So we will unpack this passage little by little, but um, spoiler alert, there is one main message here. There's one thing that God wants to say, say to us today, and that is that he wants to meet us. That is the summary of it all. Um, all the imagery, all the detail, all the little elements that we see in the passage, they all point to one truth, and that is that the Lord wants to meet us today. He wants to dwell among us as a people, but also in us as individuals. He wants us to know how pure and faithful his love for us is, and how committed he is to us. And he also wants to teach us how do we do, how do we respond to this love? How do we relate to him? And how do we live closely to him and move with him as we pursue the calling that he's given us to bring his kingdom in? Um, so let's unpack this by answering one question. And the question I have for us today is, what do our lives look like when we spend time with Jesus? What things start to happen when we meet him and when we live out that flow of intimacy with the Godhead? So the first thing that stood out to me in this passage were the precious stones. Now the precious stones were, in, so the high priest had this breastplate and the stones were on there and they represented the 12 tribes of Israel. So Jesus is our high priest and we are those stones and he carries us. And we can see here that we can lay down our burdens on Jesus and he will take us and hold us and take you, take us into our Father's arms. And in that place, he will reveal to us how beautiful and how precious we are to him. And we can be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. We can feel energized and strengthened to go on doing the things that he wants us to do. And to represent this, I'm going to need three volunteers. Oh, look, I already have some here. I need three. One is going to be Jesus. So you can be Jesus. <laughs> Thank you. And I'm going to need two more children to be Jesus' fashion designers. Elita, <laughs> sounds like one, two, and yes, Gabriel. Raphael, I'm so sorry. Raphael. Okay. So I'm going to look in my bag. And Jesus, you're going to put this on. This is, this is your breastplate. And come here, because this thing is a bit thick. So they can see. And now my fashion designers. I'm sure this is just the same kind of bag that they had to hold these precious stones. Back in the days when they were Israelites. So Elita and Raphael, what you're going to do is you're going to pick a stone and you're going to put it here. Now, I want to show something about these stones. The Bible mentions, this passage mentions the precious stones, and then it also mentions the setting stones. I didn't understand very well what that meant, but in my head, it was like the stone that is us, and then the setting stone is like this metallic thing that you see in rings that holds the stone into place. Um, so Debbie very kindly helped me to understand the Hebrew, and it looks like that is more or less what it could be. So the setting stones in Hebrew means that setting bit means fulfilling or filling. And I think it's a beautiful picture of how the Holy Spirit holds us in place 
within the body of Christ. And as it fills us, it, it, he allows us to fulfill the purposes that he's given us to do. So I'm going to ask you guys to decorate the breastplate of your goat. You can place them where you want. There we go. <laughs> they have 12 in total, because that's what the passage says. And we can see the setting stone, which is Velcro, a bit lower quality, but, and the stones, we can see them both. Thank you, can you give us The second thing that got my attention in this passage was the offerings of God's people. And I want to ask if before the service I gave you a piece of paper, this is the moment I would like to read it very loud so everyone can hear you. Wonderful. Who can say, or you can just shout out if you can say, what are those things? Gifts, exactly. Those are gifts. And when God is among us, we can see the gifts are being released to build the church. And that is just a very beautiful thing that the Lord does for us. But in a more intimate and in a deeper way, we find that when we spend time with the Lord... We are growing in love for him, in our devotion with him, and we are giving him more and more of who we are. And so the offering really is us, it's not our gifts. So it doesn't really matter whether we think we've got amazing gifts or not so amazing gifts, whether we think we have lots to offer or not so much, because the Lord really is the one who gives the gifts, and it's he that the one, the one thing he really cares about is hearts being laid down for him, lives being laid down for him. That's what he's after. And so, number three, the third thing that I wanted to say is to do with the mercy seat. Now, the mercy seat is, in the, is part of the ark, but it's not necessarily very obvious. So, for that reason, I'm going to ask a volunteer to come, because I have here a magnifying glass, and they're going to inspect the ark, and we're going to see if they can find out the mercy seat. Zoe's ready to be my inspector. So, Zoe, the Bible says that the mercy seat is somewhere under the cherubim's wings and on top of the ark, okay? So my ark is here, and you're gonna have a go and try and find it. It's on top of the ark, on top. Can you see it? Is it there? Can you see a seat? It's okay if you cannot. 
where do you think it is? Do you see a chair? No. It's okay because I cannot see that either. It's fine. <laughs> Thank you so much for your help, Jen. Um, it's very beautiful. Alex says that my art is very beautiful. <laughs> I think it's highly. <laughs> I think it's highly unorthodox, but it, it, it serves a purpose. So, the beautiful thing about the mercy seat is that actually the mercy seat is the covering, is the is the lid of the ark. So yes, it's under the wings and it's on top of the ark, but it's the lid and it's this area in between those cherubims where they're sitting. And the meaning in Hebrew means covering and covering not as in sweeping under the carpet. David was explaining this. He's not kind of hiding it, but it's actually like when you spill some coffee and I believe this is Roger's teaching during many years, that when you spill some coffee, and then you put a cloth over it, and you cover it, and the cloth absorbs that dirt, and then you remove it and you cleanse it. And that, that's it, that's it, it's, there's no more dirt, there's nothing left. And that is what the mercy seat pictures, is a picture of Jesus at the cross, dying for us, making it possible for our sins to be cleansed, and for us to be able to receive the Father's mercy. And I think this is an encouragement because when Jesus was at the cross, he was very vulnerable and he was weak and he was submitting his will under the Father's will. And because he did that, then now we can be saved. And then he rose from the dead and the Father placed him in the highest place of honor and he gave him rulership and authority and he gave him a heavenly throne which is kind of represented here as well, that his power comes from a place of laying down his life for us. And so I think it's an invitation as well for us, this mercy seat, to come to the Lord into this safe place, to make ourselves vulnerable before him, to be honest and to not be afraid, to feel weak if need be, and then allow the Lord to to meet us and to cleanse and forgive, to cover any wounds that are, cleanse them and cover them, dress them. And as we do this, we, we know that we can have changed hearts and we know that we can move with him in the power of his spirit. And that's how we see the power being released. And this power in weakness is the third thing that we see when we meet Jesus. And then the fourth thing that we see when we meet the Lord is that the beauty of Jesus shines in our lives. So, I was thinking I need three more volunteers. Should we try and find different volunteers? Oh, there we have Rosa. Thank you. Come here, Rosa. What other volunteers do I have? If not, we can repeat. We can have second round, yeah? Okay, we can have second round. Oh, oh, okay. You can come, Grace. Yes. But we can have the four, which the four can help you with something else. So, how about you hold the R very carefully? 
and Grace, you can come here. While the ark is there, I can just mention a couple more things that I think are very interesting. Now, the cherubs here, we don't know what cherubs look like, but I'm pretty sure this room is very, very close to it. <laughs> so, <laughs> the cherubs are heavenly creatures, and I think it's just a reminder that we are a heavenly people. Our, our kingdom is in heaven, and our eyes are meant to be fixed on the heavenly things. And even though we're walking on earth, and we need to be down to earth, and we need to be realistic, at the end of the day, our eyes and our hope and what we walk by is what we know is in the realms of the heavens. And then these poles here, these poles are to be carried, to carry the, the ark. And Henry George says that this is very important because they were not meant to be taken out of these rings. They were meant to stay put in there because the Israelites were moving from one place to another. They weren't staying in one specific place. They, they needed to be ready. There were people on the move. So God was leading them. And as they, God was leading them, the Israelites were carrying God's presence with them. And they needed to be ready. They couldn't sit back and kind of lay back and forget about it, put the pole somewhere in the cupboard. They couldn't do that. They needed to be here, ready to go. So, thank you so much. We're going to open the ark and we're going to find out what is it that we have inside. So, Raphael, you can grab that for you and you can grab the other two and you can hand out to the other children. Yeah. So, are you happy to give one to Grace and one to Rosa? Thank you. So, the contents of the ark is the law of Moses. Can you show the law of Moses, Rosa? Can you show it? There it is. Is the manna? Can you show the manna, Grace? And is the rod of Aaron? Thank you, Rosa. So we're going to start with what each of these things mean. But all these three things are going to help us to be more like Jesus, to shine Jesus' beauty around us. So, Rosa, if I grab this, would you be able to read a Bible verse for me? Yes. The one who makes my congregation and keeps them is one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved, my father, and I will always love him and reveal myself to him. John 14, verse 21. Thank you very much. Can we give her a So the summary of this verse is God's love language is obedience. And in that obedience we find that he reveals, he reveals himself to us and we get very close intimacy with him. So Jesus made it possible for us to please God and we can choose to please love God the same way that Jesus did out of love to the Father. Not because it was the right thing to do, not because my Bible says I have to, not because I'm being righteous and good, but because I love Jesus and because I love him, I trust him, I follow him, I obey him and I set my life aside for him. And because Jesus conquered the cross, we have power to live our lives in that way. And when we do that, 
we find that place of intimacy with the Lord and the Spirit touches our hearts and it, it shakes us, it shakes us in a new way. The, the second thing was, what is that? The manna. That's correct. Now, the last three T, we talked a lot about the manna, so I won't say much. All I will say is that manna represents God's faithfulness and his provision to the people of Israel. And I believe that when we, as God's people, live trusting in his provision and his faithfulness, we can show the people around us that actually God is among us and he cares for us deeply. And then the third thing, do you want to eat this? You can eat this, it's healthy. But if you don't want to, it's fine. <laughs> now the last thing is Aaron's rod. Can you show it? That is Aaron's rod. I think he was a bit taller than that, but it's a picture so we get the idea. And it represents that Jesus is a priest and he has a prophetic character. So when we spend time with Jesus, we can learn these things as well. We can become priestly and we can become prophetic. And I have permission from Liz to share this. Um, but I've noticed that Liz and Vicky are very good friends. And through the years, they've been, well, for quite a good number of years, I think they've been good friends. And Liz has this phrase that she says, it's fine. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard it. Um, but the other day, we were in a meeting, and then Vicky said, it's fine. <laughs> and when we have a close relationship with someone, and we love them, and they love us, their things, kind of, we learn them, and we absorb and acquire them as well. So when we spend time in the presence of Jesus, we can learn things about his character, like being a priestly people and a prophetic people. We can learn to intercede for other people and to speak the kingdom into people's lives and our own too. So these three things, the rot, the law, and the manna, Lives being set aside for him. Sorry, life being set aside for him, priestly and prophetic, and trusting in God's faithfulness are ways in which we can point people to Jesus. So, just to close, what happens when we dwell in Jesus and he dwells in and among us and we live up that fellowship with God? Number one, we know that we are precious people carried by him. We offer up our lives as an offering to him. And we are dedicated to building his church. You know, I was thinking that not everyone is a church worker, but all of us are church builders. So we should all be invested in building the, the church and the kingdom. And number three is that we should all know in our lives the sweetness of the forgiveness of Jesus and how close it brings us to him and how that in itself is so empowering to then move in his spirit to do what he's called us to do. And the fourth one is that all lives are displaying the beauty of Jesus wherever we go. And you know, as we do, as we do those things, um, 
actually our hearts are so filled with joy and sense of fulfillment. And the reason for that is that that's who we are meant to be. That's who God made us to be. And it's just this God's heart longs to be with us. We long to be with him and he longs to be with us. So I just pray that this week that starts, we will all know Jesus is dwelling in us and he's among us. And we can be empowered and carried throughout the week. Let your living word abide in me so richly as I abide in you. Let your living